Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come Alright, welcome back for another special Come Get Some Extra Scientology edition with part two of my conversation with the uh, the, the amazing and very informative Rachel Bernstein. Um, I've seen that uh, – I, I have saw, I have seen that uh, Rachel Bernstein is also uh, being posted back up by Chris Shelton recently, uh, one of his many conversations with her. Just know if there's any confusion, if you're listening to Rachel Bernstein, talk to someone named Chris. It's just going to be an awesome conversation regardless who it is. Anyway – uh, big congratulations go out to our Scientology friend out on Twitter, uh, John Alex Wood. It appears he won an award for a social media, the, the social media award. Now, is this social media has been trashing all these people uh, who showed up on Larry Remini's show? Who is Mike Grinder? Who is Larry Remini after Cash? You know, who is Amy Scooby? Which was really the one that made me go, you know what? Screw you! I'm doing a Friday show weekly to talk about this topic. And uh, and apparently that's something uh, worthy of an award. So kudos to Scientology for seeing the value in uh, in one of your members creating all these people who are speaking out against Scientology. It's amazing, and uh, I didn't think you had it in you. Uh, so congratulations. Today I got part two of Richard Bernstein. Next week I have another great interview for you for you to listen to. I really hope you come back next week. Uh, for this guest, if you follow me on social media, you probably know who I'm talking about. And then I'll have another guest coming up after him that's going to be phenomenal that, uh, again, you might have a clue from social media who that's going to be. Uh, but I'll make some announcements at the end of the show today. Uh, so stay tuned for after part two of Rachel Bernstein. Uh, also, on February 16th, I've been doing podcasting, not the Scientology show specifically, but podcasting on Come Get Some for a year on February 16th. My first guest ever. It's one of my Thursday shows. First guest ever, G.K. Bowles will be returning to uh, help me celebrate. We'll be getting lots of props out, and and I'll be saying lots of nice things about a lot of nice people. Uh, So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, We already recorded. It's a great, fun conversation. Uh, but right now, you guys came for part two of Rachel Bernstein, so here it is. It's very you know, confusing it's to me. It's fascinating that you're that you're talking about the contradiction because um, there are so many contradictions, and they're always explained away, and they're always justified, and somehow they're made to make sense to the people in it. But when you look at it, if you were just to look at a transcript of it, you would say, wait, A plus B does not at all equal C here. Right. <laughs> but they are somehow given the script to tell you why it does connect and then to get you off topic because they know there's God, not enough right. <laughs> information they have to really prove the point. So instead, they're going to say, so let me ask you a question, and then you're going to get involved in answering their question. That's sort of another way that they get you off topic. Um, but I think, you know, they do a lot of that kind of smoke and mirror talking where you can hear them talking or berating you or whatever else, and at the end of the conversation, you actually have to step back and say, uh, they actually never answered my question. 
Right. And part of the reason that they might not have answered the question is that they don't know the answer. And it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So there is no answer, but they just know to, to get you off the subject. Yeah, an example of something that seemed to be like, uh, do you think Xena is a literal story? Hey, what were you saying before about Ron Hubbard, you know, being a pedophile? <laughs> just change the subject to something else. And you're going, wait a minute, I was talking about cookies, you're talking about gasoline. I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> this is a different conversation. Um, right. And then they get mad yeah. at you because they've mixed up three conversations and then they're coming at you because you're not... Nobody knows what anyone's talking about anymore. And I think that's done intentionally. I've seen this quite a bit on mm-hmm. social media. And if you think I'm talking about you, there's a chance I'm not. So don't get all fed up, person that I'm thinking thinks I'm talking about them. <laughs> um, but, but a lot of times it's meant to bait you so they can pull up examples and go, you said this, this, and this, and that was irresponsible of you. Why would you attack us like this? And the fact is you're going to see it when, it. when it happens, it hasn't happened yet. I see it coming. They're going to resent it as, You've been attacking us all this time. Here it is, and you're going to see the one side of the conversation. Right. And they they paint themselves as the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everyone is attacking them. And part of the reason I think they do this is this is sort of kind of a term that I've coined, which is um, trickle-down narcissism. So you have the leader who is a narcissist. Most cult leaders are narcissists, um, except for the ones who are just out there crazy, uh, who I've met, some some of them, they're just out there crazy. And people are following them just because they're charismatic, but they don't actually care if people are following them. Right. But when you have the people who are running a business, who say things like L. Ron Hubbard did, if you want to make a million dollars, you have to start your own religion. Mm -hmm. And that's how, you know, the church was born. Um, it's all calculated, and they're, they're really kind of good at, at, you know, crafting this, and they need it, emotionally need it. So that's narcissism. And um, they feel entitled, and they have all the answers, and you have to listen to them. And if you um, disagree, you are doing what's called causing a narcissistic injury. That's what narcissists feel when you say even the tiniest thing like, well, I don't know, I'm not really sure about that. That's enough to make them feel so attacked that they will then attack you back and tenfold. So that's something that Scientologists have learned to do. It's like adopting or channeling the the narcissistic needs of the leader and then they feel attacked, they have to attack back and um Everyone then in the group feel like feels like or has to say that they're being victimized by you. So yeah. you by you know your show are victimizing them, and I by sharing what people have shared with me while they've been crying and sharing these horrible stories. Um, by me letting the public know about that, I'm attacking. I'm pretty sure we're going to hear. I'm pretty sure we're going to hear soon about how somehow you violated your oath as as a a psychologist by being on my show today. I'm almost sure of it. Um, (laughs) Something's wrong with this. Right, right. I am. I'm free to share information as long as it doesn't disclose personal, yeah, and personal information, which I would never do. Yeah. Right, right. And I believe that about you. I believe that about you. 
I, I wanted to know, uh, you, as you were on, um, I mentioned earlier, you were on the Critical Thinking at Large po- uh, a couple times with uh, Chris Shelton. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you guys had some great conversations on there, uh, covered a lot of ground. One of the things you covered was, it, it, I found it kind of helpful in more than just talking to cult members and just in arguments and, and conflict, the idea of how to talk to a Scientologist, the whole, you know, mm-hmm. finding out how they feel first so they understand that you're not trying to attack them and you can actually engage in conversation and at times mm-hmm. even get through to them. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you on a grander scale, do you believe that there are cases where a cult leader could be reached? Is that is that is that too far gone in your mind or could you like counsel them a scavenge into changing everything? Is that something that's possible? Well, um, I think that for someone like Miscavige, he's, um, I believe, this is my opinion, I've never, you know, it's not an official diagnosis, but it's how I feel. He has a sociopathic or psychopathic bent. So what what would motivate someone like that, um, who also is clearly a narcissist, um, is not suddenly a rush of conscience. It would be that he would feel that he's going to be found out or he's going to get busted for something. It has to be from this external kind of threat that something bad will happen to him or his reputation, um, not because he suddenly realizes that what he's doing is wrong. So I don't feel that in that way he can be truly rehabilitated, but his behavior can be shifted if he feels like there's going to be hell to pay for him for whatever reason continuing this. I don't think he'll ever believe that. Uh, right, he he may not. So um, I do think that there are some cult leaders who can actually um, come around. It's very rare, um, mostly because they now have um, uh, this following, and they have people who are looking up to them to be someone who doesn't ever change their story or change their tune or someone who is going to be the source of strength and to keep that group going Um, and I think that they can't then go back on their word and suddenly say you know my bad right I think they just can't they can't do it that's like too far into it like it's a lie that just kept going for way too long definitely is this you're always running from that lie um, is, is there a mental condition? Is there is there a mental state of mind or maybe just a, a personality type? It seems like I've seen a little bit about this. If there's something bad in the world like Scientology, I think you see it with murderers in prison. They get a following where there's this, this all-out assault now in Scientology, and I, I really feel like there needs to be. And I hate to say it like that because it sounds more devastating than it is, but, but this all-out assault, there's people that don't like what they're hearing about Scientology speaking up, trying to be heard, and, you know, I've added my, my Friday shows on this. I feel like there's people who see that and feel sympathy for Scientology, and they go, you know what, I'm going to join them despite you idiots, because you guys are a mob now, and you're just hating, and I'm going to go with these guys. These guys are nice, and they're not trying to hurt you. I'm going with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, when they paint themselves as the underdog, there is a part part of our population, there will always be, because it's a part of some people's human nature, um, to 
connect with the underdog, to go with the population they feel is being um, unfairly attacked or is downtrodden in one way or another, misunderstood. Um, uh, and so I think that people within the group, to a certain degree, are feeling unfairly persecuted. Um, and I feel for them. Right. I do. Because... This is what they gave up everything for. Mm -hmm. And now they feel that they're getting attacked. And um, I mean, that's why I think it's best for people to not get involved in things like this, because then suddenly you're stuck in something. And even if you feel like you can start to realize that it's not everything it promised to be, and maybe it is actually making you feel a little more crazy or depressed or anxious, you might feel like now you can't leave if it's being attacked because we have to band together. They're dwindling numbers, and we can't be yet another kind of, I guess, nail in the coffin. Right. right. So there is that added pressure. It's true, and so I do feel for them. Yeah, I always say I'm not anti-Scientologist. I'm anti-Scientology because Scientologist, exactly. as we found out, Mike Rinder, who exactly. had admitted to doing terrible things himself, and, and you know, uh, Leah Remini admitted she's lied, and she's lied in defense of the church, and, and well, quote-unquote church, and they come out, and guess what? They're decent, really good people who had the best intentions when they walked in the door, and they walk out decent, really good people with good intentions. Mm-hmm. So I don't want I don't want people, yeah. and people do this a lot. I've referenced the, the online community a lot on this. Uh, I do think we should kind of maybe lay off a little bit uh, I mean, it's not like we're, people are doing anything too bad, but you're attacking people who probably truly believe what they're saying a lot of the time. Right. So when I, you know, when I feel that I'm getting attacked by Scientologists on the street or whatever, they're getting in my face, it's very hard because I don't have an issue with that person. Right. That person is kind of a cog in the wheel. That person is someone who has been made to feel that they have to do this to me, uh, either because now they believe it or, like I said before, they're they're going to get punished for not doing it. I don't have a beef with them, and I'll just keep walking or just hand them my card. You know, like if at some point you decide you just want to talk to someone, doesn't mean you have to make a decision. I don't need for you to leave it. I just want for you to have a chance to talk safely with someone about the things that you're feeling there or the things that have happened to you that actually you're realizing are not good or not healthy or damaging, mm-hmm. and to be able to then fully assess that, to know if that's something you want to keep having in your life or not, and you make the decision. Um, so, it, yeah, it's, it is hard because I don't want to attack back. My, yeah, my, just like with you, my issue is not with the members at all. They're, they're the victims in the story. Yeah, you've seen uh, there's there's been a good amount. I don't know if you ever get to talk to them. What you're doing, um, good amount of people trying to do their own independent study of Scientology outside of the abuses, and they change the rules a little mm-hmm. bit and alter it to be a more friendly, mm-hmm. uh, a more friendly um, practice, and they do their independent Scientology work. Do you think that's unhealthy? Mm-hmm. Or are you okay with that? I'm okay with it. I mean, I see it sort of in, in psychological terms. I see it as a transitional object. I think that um, sometimes people need that. They have they have gotten some 
what they feel is real help from certain techniques. Right. Um, they might still believe that this is the only way to help them. Um, and that means they're not yet or ever going to avail themselves of other techniques of therapy that could help them just as well, if not better. But what, that's for them to open their eyes up to or not. Um, I think for some people, I've seen people all along the spectrum of that, so that some people are indies for the rest of their life, and others are indies for a year or two, and then realize that what they were saying by being an indie was, I wasn't quite ready to give this up. Um, so it's a wean-off kind like of thing. I am. Yeah. yeah um, so, no, I don't, have, I don't have an issue with it. I just... I just think for some people that's what they're needing um, so that they're not having to abandon it all right away because that's going to feel too hard. Yeah, I know for me, my for me, and this is my opinion though, but I, I believe in God. I don't know what I believe God is. But if someone comes to me tomorrow, you know, I go to church once in a while, Christian church, and someone brings me the Bible and they tell me, show me indefinable, uh, <laughs> definitive proof that the Bible is a complete mm-hmm. and total fabrication. There is no God. It's all mm-hmm. a lie. I want to burn that book. I don't want to go to another Mass. <laughs> you know, I feel, why am I going to study a lie? I, you know, I'd want to try something different maybe, but I, I don't know if I'd want to do that. But it's an interesting take on it. Yeah, and I think for some people, what keeps them involved in groups for a long time isn't sometimes the teachings or the techniques as much as it is the connection. It's the community. Right, and so exactly. when you leave Scientology, you sometimes have burned your bridges. You yeah. said goodbye to your family and you, or your friends. And so the only people you might feel like you have something you have in common with because you speak the same language and you've been through the same things are other former Scientologists, and so that creates a bond, and so some of them are indies because of that need for emotional and communal connection, it's almost um, like a, even more so than believing in the technique. Uh, almost like a, a support group. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are social beings, right? We right. need each other. That's true, yeah. that's true. So we talk a lot about Scientology. That's what you're. That's what most people want to talk to you about. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but there's a lot of different cults out there. Um, that mm-hmm. I, I don't. I'm learning about cults, though. So, you know, I wanted the show to be about Scientology and cults to try to help people. But I honestly, I haven't. I, I haven't really been able to expose myself to a whole lot of information. Can you just give me a list of some of the the more lesser known but dangerous cults that you might have heard of that we should be looking out for? Well, so this could, you know, this could run the possibility of getting me sued oh, by then. more litigious groups. But what I can say... Okay, yeah, I don't want to get is, you sued. Um, that, you know what, if you... if And please do, for any listeners, um, do your research. Um, there are... Uh, well, I'll give some hints. Um, <laughs> there is a Bible-based group um, out of Korea, a new one, not the Unification Church, but a new one that people need to watch out for, and you can do your research online. There is a yoga group um, run by a man who believes he is the Messiah, and there have been some oh. um, lawsuits recently. You can look that up. Um, there are um, a lot of groups that um, 
are springing up that are large group awareness training, um, you know, sort of F-style groups that um, are dangerous and people are winding up in the hospital after, psychiatric units uh. after. Um, so do your research on those as well. And, and I'm saying that also because I can tell you some names, but there are new names every day because cults, once there is an expose done on them, unless they have the, the legal power and the financial power and backing like Scientology does, they will usually change their names so they can keep going. Right. Um, but under a different name. And so when someone calls me and says, hey, have you heard of this group? And I haven't. Um, turns out I usually have. I just knew them under, you know, their previous five oh. names. All right. So uh, something you just said uh, kind of uh, sparked a question for me that I didn't have before. Um, you mentioned uh, Bible-based cults. So if you could break it down mm-hmm. for me, because I keep hearing this this term everywhere, and I haven't really quite figured out the differences between, say, organized religion, a cult, and a Bible-based cult. Could you, could you give me some information on that? Uh, sure. So a Bible-based cult is something that I define as a group that runs itself as a cult where the leader um, really demands unquestioning devotion to the teachings and to him or to her. Um, where there is deception, you're not told ahead of time what they have in store for you and all the sacrifices you are eventually going to be asked to make for the group, uh, including people in your life. Um, and that the leader lives in a very different way than the followers and the rules only apply to the followers. Um, and then in addition to all of that, the Bible is used as the spiritual practice and teaching, but it is interpreted um, for the purposes of the group. Um, the leader will usually, within a Bible-based cultic group, have his or her own interpretation that's separate from any other church um, and any other religion. Uh, and that the thing that makes it a cult, too, is that it is not affiliated with any other larger group so that there's no ethics committee. There's right. no one to check up on them to make sure that what they're doing is safe and okay. And they can interpret it any way they want. And it could be that you have to sacrifice your firstborn child to me or you have to give over every penny of your income. Um, whatever it is that the leader is needing, and there's no system of checks and balances, and then there's no safety for the followers. Okay. Wow, okay. Well, i, I got to say, it feels to me like there should be more that can be done, but, but clearly there's there's a lot of, uh, a lot of in- intricacies that are difficult to work around uh, illegally on these things. Oh, absolutely. You know, cults and cult leaders are much more protected legally than the followers are and the people who are hurt by them. Um, Religions can uh, become religions way too easily, and then when they're noticed to be doing things that are not very religious, (laughs) uh, they actually um, are protected and can try 
religious persecution if people say what you're doing is wrong. Um, and for them to lose their tax-exempt status, I mean, look at Scientology, is extremely hard once you get it. And it should be much harder to get and much easier to lose. It should be the opposite. Yeah, it feels like, like I've said this before, if outside of their uh, their location in Clearwater, they started filleting humans alive on their property because that's their religious doctrine, wouldn't you think someone would step in? Um, yeah, and I think people have tried, and they have a huge and well-funded team of attorneys who make your life miserable if you go after them. Um, that needs to stop, um, and I hope that it will at some point in the not-too-distant future that, you know, usually a group that behaves a lot um, from the top down like bullies is going to have attorneys who are bullies as well. Um, but I think that there are people who are becoming more aware who are in positions to be able to do something about this, who are in government, who are um, in law, uh, and who can do something not only to close these groups down, but to protect the members who are there. Yeah, it's a red tape thing, I'm, I'm sure, to a large extent. Um yeah, it's a red tape thing. It's also an emotional thing in our country where um, um, people want to be able to uphold the rights of religion. And so I think that a lot of cultic groups hide behind that label so that they can get people's protection um, and feelings of protectiveness uh, or emotional feelings of protectiveness. Wow, I have, to, I have to kind of circle back around. I'm going to make like one of my last questions, which should have been one of my first questions, and I'm sure you've asked this a, a whole lot. Um, what got you to the point to where, because I don't think you started out with this, how did you end up being an expert in, well, not an expert, but you know, a specialist in, in cults? Uh, so it was an interesting kind of um happenstance, occurrence. So uh, there was a family member of mine who got sucked into a cult and just seeing the sudden personality change and then not being able at the time to find books about cults, but just be able to find books written by cult leaders. Um, there, was, there wasn't information and there were no protections and uh, there was, we thought no one to talk to. So we kind of just did what we could on our own. Yeah. Um, but just to see how quickly someone could tr be transformed and could be made to feel that this is the only path towards happiness and the answers, and they have to give over everything to it, um, and including all their money to it, um, and how quickly they started regressing and how quickly they got defensive if you ever brought it up, like maybe you want to question what you're doing, um, and how quickly also they changed their language and started talking like the, pe the people in the group. Um, I mean, it was bizarre to see the sudden changes and how the mind can be vulnerable to this. Um, and this was someone who was very bright, and so we really, really did not predict it, and there it was. So I grew up hearing about these things called cults, and then 
started seeing them, started seeing them on my college campus, you know, using front names, but they were there at Student Union on my, you know, um, on my college campuses, bringing people in, um, using names that sounded like legitimate organizations, but I knew that they were front names for other organizations. Um, And just seeing that, while, you know, I don't mean to sound paranoid, it's not like they're on every corner, but they do congregate on college campuses. They always have, and they still do. Um, And so people are falling prey to them uh, in so many different places because they don't advertise what they really are. Uh, And people get in because they think they're saving the planet or they think they're helping homelessness or they think they're getting over their reading issues or whatever it is. And it's all these groups that are just feeder groups for the larger organizations that are called. Yeah, once they get in, it's kind of what I've seen in other people before uh, who've been involved in, you know, I think it's not very different for, like, uh, multi-level marketing and uh, and pyramid schemes and things mm-hmm. like that. It always starts with, but they're so nice, they're so friendly, they're so good to me, and they they made all these promises. And you come home, and your spouse or your parent or your your relative is all down on you. And it's not that they're down on you; they're concerned and they're worried. And you're going, no, you're trying to suppress my ability to succeed and be better. And it's just really you see so much good and the people that you should be more suspicious of than the people that have been with you your whole life. Um, Right, exactly. And the thing about that that's really really curious to me is that um, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, Rachel. (laughs) The point is is there that it is just... um, Oh, I was going to say, you know, a lot of times what I've heard from people who are um, on the other side of things, they're in the cult, uh, defending the cult, is... We talked earlier about how oppressive we sound when we talk to them. And my my advice, and you can confirm if I'm accurate on this, would be if you're talking to two groups of people and one group of people are trying to tell you, be careful, and they're bothering you, Mm -hmm. and one group of people Mm -hmm. tell you only what you want to hear, the people who are telling you only what you want to hear, beware. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly right. Right, uh, if it seems too good to be true, right? Um, right. And you, it's the same thing with people in general where uh, I tell people to beware of people who are coming on too strong, who are too insistent, who need to get to know them right away, who are extremely complimentary, mm-hmm. who are doing this kind of love bombing. They're up to something that's not usual, that's not typical, Um and they're trying to, you know, bait you, um, but it's a bait and then it's a switch. And be prepared, there's going to be a switch. So, so I want to know because cause I don't. Nobody gets to be in your in in your shoes on this. Uh, I'm guessing you see all kinds. You see people who just came out of the cult, and you see people who are still in the cult. The family members are trying to convince them to talk to somebody and, and get them out. Is that correct? You've seen both kinds. You talk yes, to okay. Yes. Do you ever get anyone that seems so far gone that you can't help them? And when that happens, how does how do you deal with that? Um, right, there are people who have devoted their whole lives and they just can't leave because it's it. That's it. That's their entire life, and they don't know anyone anymore who's out out, and they don't know how to live outside of it. Um, there are people who were born and raised in cults and they don't know how to live outside, and it's there. It takes a great amount of 
support and bravery to leave something like that um, and go into a world that is so foreign. Um, or people who are just so beaten down or so crazy because of all of the indoctrination and the being put down and being, you know, filled with all these kind of crazy ideas that it is very sad, but I have seen that where they are just too far gone. But what I have also seen is people who we thought were too far gone who really just needed to have some time away from it mm-hmm. to um, get back into their mind, uh, the mind that they really had access to before, their own thoughts, their family again, their old friends who could remind them of who they really were and what they were capable of, and they were able to come back. Um, so I don't like to discount someone right away as being hopeless. That That is not a very typical situation when someone is too far gone. It is sad when you see it, but I always feel hopeful that we can find some way for them to come back. Well, that's the best way to take it, positively and hopefully. Um, I've kept you long enough. Uh, before we sign off and get all your information out there, is something to do with all my guests. Uh, we do ten questions. Think fast. It's silliness. Something might, some things might be deeper than others. If you're not comfortable, you can pass on a question. So it's just 10 questions and uh, your best answers for them. Okay, okay. All right. All right. Rachel Bernstein, 10 questions. Number one, true or false? True or false? True or false? I forgot how to talk for mm-hmm. a second. Therapists often need a therapist. Like Sometimes you just get so bad from all the therapying you're doing that you, you need a therapy yourself. Uh, mm, often... Not often, so I'll say false. Bad, bad use of wordage there. I got you. Uh, <laughs> number two, um, you have an analytical mind. You are you are a, uh, a, a therapist for a reason. Uh, are you always analyzing, or do you uh, turn it off sometimes? I definitely turn it off sometimes and give my brain a break. All right. Number three, uh, here's one of the silly ones. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Because <laughs> rainbows are unique and gorgeous. There you go. That's, of course, a line from the uh, song from the classic Muppet movie. Number four, <laughs> do you believe in brain food, like food you eat? It helps you think clearer throughout the day and things like that? Uh, yes. I also believe that a lot of things are called brain food that are not. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, number <laughs> five, uh, what do you prefer, Blu-ray, digital media, or the movie theater? Movie theater. Movie theater. Should, shouldn't we all? Number six, if you weren't who you are now, if you weren't doing what you're doing, what would you be doing? Hmm. Uh, something in the arts, but I don't know what. Um, but, yeah, something artistic. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Um, number seven, politics can be tough for all of us. True or false? Even therapists. Uh, with a master's in psychology, uh, struggle with politics. True. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I could totally see that. Number eight. Mm-hmm. This is you speaking, uh, Rachel. Finish the sentence. The most important thing to me is... Um, people being good to each other. That's a great answer. Number six. What's the best breakfast you ever had? Ooh, uh, bagel, lox, and cream cheese. Fair enough. 
Uh, number 10, I know you haven't had a lot of time with me to do a full analysis, but uh, all the spot analysis, am I crazy? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, sorry, I don't know if you wanted me to say yes, but you're not. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that answer. <laughs> All right, all right. So uh, some information on Rachel here. Uh, Let me get to your website real quick. What's your website address? It is rachelbernsteintherapy.com. rachelbernsteintherapy.com. And you can be reached at, uh, well, you you might leave a voicemail, but anytime if you need Rachel, call her at? 818-907-0036. Excellent. And your Twitter account is? Um, that's so funny. Oh, Strudel Mama. I don't know. This is my daughter's idea. You don't tweet a lot. <laughs> Not. I should tweet more, but you were really great about following me, so I appreciate that. So I'll I'll do it more. That's my promise. No problem. And all this information that she just gave you guys uh, will be on the website when the link launches for the website uh, podcast for the extra episode. The link to the website, the phone number. And the uh, the Twitter account will all be there. Of course, you're also Rachel Bernstein on Facebook. Right, exactly. And uh, rbpsychology at gmail.com as well. That's the Gmail, yes. I'll put that on there as well. Are there any final words you want to give my audience here? Anything you want to say to the people? Um, I think if you are having an issue with a relationship that's controlling or in a group that you're realizing is not what it said it really was at the beginning, um, or you know of someone who is in either of those situations, definitely give me a call and see how I can be helpful. Rachel Bernstein, a wonderful therapist, very given of her time. Uh, I really appreciate you, Rachel, for doing this. And uh, really, uh, nobody understands, and, and people who hear this will understand the, the sacrifices that you make to, to free up time when you make money on your time. <laughs> Uh, so I really do appreciate it. It's it's awesome that you did this, and uh, I think the listeners will appreciate it, and I appreciate you very much so. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. I, I, I appreciate the time that you gave to me, but also to this issue. So that's really wonderful. All right, Rachel. Well, you take care, and uh, we'll be in touch. Okay, wonderful. Take care. All right, so how great is Rachel Bernstein? Let me tell you. And her Twitter account, I don't know what she gave me. It's actually R. Bernstein, L-M-F-T. Uh, L is in Larry, M is in Mary, F is in Frank, T is in Tom. R. Bernstein, L-M-F-T on Twitter. Um, I think she might have a personal Twitter account she gives. Um, at, at any rate, uh, it was a great conversation. I'm so lucky to have the people coming on that I have coming on, and I understand that there's a reason for it because there's a lot of weight to uh, and a lot, to, a lot of information to get out and, and pass along uh, to keep everyone informed. And uh, I, I just want to say that coming up in the coming weeks is going to be more good stuff. I, I probably should have Rachel back to talk about next week's Thursday show because next week on Thursday I have a special uh, just over an hour-long show with Heidi Cox returning to talk about spousal abuse, physical and mental spousal abuse. And we talked today uh, or last week with Rachel about the connection between spousal abuse and the abuse of a cult and in Scientology, how they uh, connect and relate. But on Friday of next week, I have had a, uh, a distinguished uh, discussion with a distinguished gentleman named Tony Ortega. We had a great conversation. Of course, as you know, uh, the person who runs the underground bunker and also 
Uh, also the author of the book The Unbreakable Miss Lovely, which uh, chronicles the, the situation with Paula uh, Cooper, if I can say her name right. Paula Cooper, among other things. It's a great book. Uh, he's a great guy. So please uh, join me next week for part one of my interview on Friday with Tony Ortega. And there's even more coming up in the coming weeks. Also next week, on that very same show with Tony Ortega, there'll be a special uh, former guest making another appearance on here, an ex-Scientologist uh, coming back again to say hi. Uh, looking forward to that a lot. So a very full show next week. Uh, please join us. Stay connected. And for now, that about sums it up. Have a great week, everybody. I'm getting down to the sum of this. Well, some of that. The sum of everything. Come on.